The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Bad Blood. Police response to the Robb Elementary School massacre in Uvalde, Texas, was a failure. Absolutely correct, sir. A new bombshell investigation from the New York Times reports the incident commander in charge, the school district police chief, Pete Arredondo, showed up without his police radio to communicate. The Times cites a law enforcement official familiar with the investigation. The newspaper reports Arredondo decided in the first minutes to fall back after the gunman's bullets grazed a couple of police supervisors. He reportedly called a police landline from his cell phone to request more backup and said the gunman was contained. Of course, we now all know that the children were trapped inside that classroom with the gunman, cowering in fear, some playing dead, others calling 911, begging for help. So instead of confronting the gunman immediately, like they had been trained since Columbine, police officers held back for more than an hour. As we reported, Border Patrol agents eventually ignored that police chief's orders and led a stack of officers in the classroom to kill the gunman. The Times reports they were done waiting for permission. They continued even after one of them heard a command crackling in his earpiece, do not breach. Frustration continues to build on the delayed response from police. Ruben Mata Montemayor's great-granddaughter, Lexi, was killed in the shooting. On Sunday, he went to the memorial downtown and pulled a knife on police. I got a knife! I hollered at them that they didn't have the cojones to do their job. No. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Oh my God. That is the biggest pile of horse crap I have ever seen in my frickin' frackin' life. You think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Yeah! Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Paul Freeze, Whitfield Connor, Sam Edwards, Harley Bear, and Barbara Luddy. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Texans like to say that everything in Texas is bigger. They like big things. And as it turns out, the only thing that's big in Texas is their mouths. Coming up, I've got a reminder of what suddenly has dropped off the news media's radar. The only licensed transgendered broadcaster. Licensed? Well, you're tuned to the place where you'll hear the truth. It's the Brit Summers Show. And that's the truth. That's the truth, baby! Got King Kong, smelly yellow teeth. I like my yellow gorilla, eating my feces. Hey, hey, I got monkey pox, and I'm not clowning around. Bananas got me straining, and turning my diaper brown. Like J. Fred Muggs, I'm a chimpanzee. I'm not as mighty as Joe Young, but maybe Lance Lee. Hey, hey, 
monkeypox. I'm all hairy and brown. I got some irritation, so I'm pulling my diaper down. Fairy dogs are real friendly. Best pet I ever found. With all the fun we've been having, throwing our doodle around. Yeah, what happened? I guess they found a cure. It's the Brit Summer Show, 95.3-96.9, 1470-WWNN. Yes, far as I can tell, it still is. And I'm broadcasting live from America, where the streets are paved with blood. And there are people here that are damn proud of it, too. Yeah, those Texas Rangers, or those cops at Uvalde, the Keystone cops would, would make you feel more secure. What a bunch of bumbling, stumbling Stumble bums, uh, especially the police chief. What's his name? Abadabadabadando. You know what he reminds me of? Uh, this big fat police chief they got who forgot his radio and uh, told everybody to stand down. The gunman is contained while he was blowing away kids. Uh, I don't know if you remember the old TV show Zorro, but the, 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 the fat Mexican guy, he wasn't Mexican at all. <laughs> his name was Henry Calvin. And I forgot the character's name he played in the show. But Hank Calvin was the big fat Mexican, I guess, cop. I, I don't remember. Uh, Google pick uh, Henry Calvin and you'll see that police chief, the Uvalde police chief. That's him. <laughs> and Henry Calvin was from uh, Texas. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> We've got this well in hand. We're uh, fondling our guns and uh, fondling our balls. Uh, so you'll feel safe with us. <laughs> when actually, all they really did was... That's it. It's a sign of danger. You can count on the Uvalde police force to go... Yeah. What a bunch of lazy, good-for-nothing chickens. I'll say on the other side of the show, when this part's off the air, I'll say the real chickens they are. But for now, let's just settle for... Take a look at that uh, Uvalde police, the entire police force, and you just know they all had one donut too many. I mean, they probably live for the free donuts and coffee. That apparently is all they know how to do, is eat donuts and have their feet up on the desk waiting for their check to come each week. And obviously, never taking a task for it. It's like, why was there no concern about that? I know it's a small town, but didn't anybody complain? No. And as it turns out, these blubber-belly chicken poops were more concerned with apprehending the parents of these children as they were getting slaughtered rather than apprehending the shooter. In fact, they arrested one of the mothers of these children for trying to get inside to rescue her kids. She had two kids in there screaming at the cops, why aren't you in there? Well, obviously, it's because they're cowards and they're just a bunch of lazy blubber bellies in uh, policemen's uniforms pretending to be cops. So when something actually happens of this magnitude, they don't know what to do. You believe that? They were giving the parents a hard time well, as, as their children were being slaughtered. Now, of course, there's going to be investigations taking place. No shortage of them. I'm certain it's going to go all the way up to the governor's office. And uh, then when it gets there, you know what's going to happen with that? Yeah. But in addition to that, we also have the Department of Justice looking into this. They're going to investigate. You know, when Merrick Garland's on the case. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And what's going to happen with those investigations with the DOJ? Yeah. (laughs) it's a loss for everyone all the way around except for the gun manufacturers they're making a bundle and their political employees which are all the republicans they actually they actually look forward to massacres because gun sales go up because the american mentality is that low ain't nothing gonna happen to me 
I'm going to protect my my children and my... Yeah, well, you're going to have to be with them at all times because apparently locking down the schools and uh, having police inside the schools like this one had and like Parkland had, uh, that doesn't seem to really ma- matter now, does it? No, no, it doesn't work. That talking point kind of like falls right flat on its ass. Yeah. And I know my Democratic colleagues will be quick to point out, yeah, but look, he arrested the Proud Boys, for, uh, what was it, five of them, and then he arrested the Oath Keepers. Look, look what he did. That should have took days. Not months. Days. We're going on a year and a half now. And the midterms, I'm sorry to say, don't look promising right now. And if they go south, well, so does Merrick Garland and his investigation. Sorry to say. Because he drug his feet. He went very, very slow. Oh, yeah. He made sure all the I's were crossed and the T's were dotted and all that stuff. Yeah, fine. Uh... In a case like this, and he is a a federal prosecutor, he ought to know, that in a case like this, what they want is time. They want to run out the clock. He just handed it to them. And they're going to let these guys walk anyway. And in addition to all of that, the the so-called police department, the cops, hired a biker gang to keep the press away from interviewing the parents at the funeral. They barred the press from the funeral. Or they tried to. Some got through. But what are cops doing? Well, this is Texas, of course. The Texas Rangers. What were they doing hiring uh, a a biker gang? Which, by the way, the Ron DeSantis militia, that's who he's going to wind up hiring. More on that in a moment. But a biker gang? To keep reporters away? Is this uh, Bolivia? Is this uh, a fourth and fifth world country? We don't have freedom of the press anymore? They weren't even... This was after the shooting took place. This was just during the funeral proceedings. And they had bikers come in. And and the bikers pretty much said they were there to protect the cops from the parents. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a butt I've never seen. I mean, there's always chicken cops. When when, uh, Parkland happened, there was a couple here. The Broward County Sheriff's Department, oh, he had a couple here that did that, but not all of them. It didn't take an hour and a half, or whatever it was, an hour and 40 minutes. At Parkland, the cops were there relatively fast. Whether or not they were effective, that's another story, but they were there within about 10 minutes. The local press, on the other hand, were a couple of hours, except for the uh, Channel 7 helicopter was the only one there, and uh, The Guardian was the first press to be present at the Parkland. But a lot of them held their ground. A lot of them, at, in the Broward County Sheriff's, they did. They went in there, and they, they apprehended the shooter. These guys? Where the hell did they come from? What are the requirements to become a, a cop in Texas? You got you to know how to at least tie one shoe? Well, we're scared. Let's hire a biker gang to help us out. That's a good idea. They need the help of a biker gang. Uh, And this mayor, where'd they get that mayor? Speaking of TV characters, this mayor reminds me of Sheriff Joe Higgins. When when, uh, Beto approached uh, Abbott at the press conference and and was the the big fat mayor of Uvalde, who said, you get away from us, you son of a bitch, son of a bitch. uh, I call him Sheriff Joe Higgins. (laughs) The Dodge Boy. I don't know if you remember the the Dodge commercials, the Dodge Boy commercials, and they had the Dodge Boys and the Dodge Girls. They should do that again. That was kind of fun. But the the head Dodge Boy was uh, Sheriff Joe Higgins. You in a heap of trouble, boy. (laughs) I think they used it to call it, Mopar called it the uh, Dodge Boy White Hat Service or something like that. But it was this actor who played a a southern cop. And I think Leeson stole the idea went with uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, but this guy did it first, the southern cop. Hey, boy, that's, uh, what's wrong, officer? Boy, you're in a heap of trouble. Violation of city orders 11-14, operating a racing-type vehicle inside the city limits. Oh, officer, this is the new Dodge Challenger RT. It's, it's, it's not a racer. Hey, huh? What kind of tires them, boy? Optional polyglass GTs. Racing tires. 
Them stripes have boy, what you call those? R racing stripes. <laughs> I suppose that's a reconverted lawnmower motor. Optional 440 Magnum V8. Put that doohickey in there, boy. Well, that's a new optional slapstick racing shift. So look, it's got uh, concealed wipers, and it's got dual headlights. Now, you don't find that on any racer, do you? Careful, boy. I'll book you as a law officer. If you can handle the way people react to your 1970 Dodge Challenger, you could be Dodge material. Now look, boy, I know a race car when I see one. He was one of the Dodge boys. That's what this... Where are these people... Why did they elect him? This was a, a heavily Hispanic community. How did that guy become mayor? Somebody who hates Mexicans, somebody who despises Hispanics. How did he be? How did he get elected mayor? I don't know. There's a lot of Dodge boys in Texas. They walk proud and talk proud, and when it comes right down to it, they uh, they scratch their balls. And speaking of balls, uh, Papa Joe, he's got a trip planned to to go to, uh, as Bob Graham once called it, Bordia Babia, and. I was hoping it wouldn't come to this. I was hoping he'd be one American president who wouldn't bow and scrape to those camel jockeys. I mean, even Obama did it. They, they, American presidents go over there and they insist that you kiss their ass. Only when Trump went over there, they insisted that he fondled their big ball. And I'm hoping, I'm just hoping, that when, he, when Biden goes there, he's not asked to fondle their ball. Because Trump did it without question. He put his little tiny hand on it. I guess he likes fondling a ball or a couple of balls when he can find them. Say, so here's a job offer for you. <laughs> if you're between the age of 18 and 60 and carry a gun, licensed or not, and want to earn up to $400 or $500 a day, and it doesn't say how many days, and you're willing to go through a 15-day training period and two training days a month for 10 months, if you're willing to do that, and not to mention if you have a violent rap sheet, you too can be a member of the FLSG, the Florida State Guard. No, it's not the National Guard. It's the Florida State Guard, otherwise known as the Ron DeSantis Anti-Voting Army. That will only go through effect uh, during days that people are voting, and that's why they're paying so much. He sanctioned uh, $5 million for this <clears throat> and an additional $10 million for 2023, offering to pay four to $500 a day, which is only, what, a day, really, when you go to vote. So you can make $500. And he's looking for a force of up to 400 people to descend upon the precincts while people are voting. According to this article... Governor Ron DeSantis is trying his damnedest to win the award for the most fascist leader in the U.S., this time calling on fellow Floridians to join the long-disbanded version of a second-string National Guard. Now, that means during World War II, we needed a second-string National Guard in Florida because of the hurricanes and everything else. Uh, most of the trained personnel, mainly men back then, uh, we're off fighting World War II, so they had to have this in its place. And in 1945, when the war ended, uh, they disbanded this thing. But it was still on the books. One of uh, DeSantis's lackeys said, Hey, look at this here. Why, with an army like this, we can control voter turnout. Or, or we can uh, arrest protesters for rioting. Rob Mayer, who's uh, mayor of Boynton Beach, said, uh, quote, what we don't need more of is right-wing gun-toting crazies in the streets, even if they are sanctioned by a governor desperate to prove how tough he is. Hey, good for you, Robert Mayer, mayor of prestigious Boynton Beach. Florida Senator Annette Tadeo called DeSantis's FLSG a vigilante militia. And that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I didn't go through the job requirements. I found it. There's the job requirements. It includes a, uh, you need a valid driver's license. I'll got me one of those. It includes a bachelor's degree. How, <laughs> really? Uh, good luck finding that in five years of management. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. This is for uh, manager, the, the management position. Okay. That, <laughs> that's not for the grunts that are going to be pointing guns at people 
at their, the back of their head as they vote. No, this is the managers. And they're asking for a bachelor's degree. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm single. The Florida State Guard was disbanded after World War II, but DeSantis said in December that other states currently have similar forces. Well, maybe uh, Texas does, but I don't know of any other ones. While the governor said the unit would primarily aid the Florida National Guard. Yeah, right. Get out of here. Nobody believes you. He's still waiting. He already got $5 million. He's allocated $10 more million waiting for approval. And their ads say, if you love the state of Florida, have a desire to help your community and have the skills beneficial to protect the state from disaster. <laughs> In other words, beneficial to protect the state from a disastrous election result for the Republicans. We encourage you to apply and join the FLSG. Which the definition for that in English is uh, Schutzstaffel, SS, or as Mussolini had, the black shirts. And they gave it a nice, soft, cuddly name, like FLSG. That's what it is. And there's going to be a lot of busted skulls at the precincts come these midterms. Not because they care about the down ticket results, because of the governor's race. Despite who the Democratic challenger is, it doesn't matter. Their job will be to intimidate uh, the voters. It's strictly an intimidation tactic that uh, dictators do. And speaking of the dick shaped like a tater, Death Satan uh, suffered a defeat a couple weeks ago when a circuit court struck down that lore. If you'll remember back in March, I talked about it on this show, where he wanted to restrict what people said about him online. Yeah. Like he had command of the entire World Wide Web from Florida. <laughs> this is how insane he is. And anybody who supports him, imagine that. The guy thinks he can control what people say on the World Wide Web, on the superhighway that goes around the globe. Uh, and uh, he thinks Florida is the center of the universe, I guess. Well, it was struck down, and the judge said, quote, You, sir, don't have the power to tell people what to say. Oh, he must have went into a tizzy. Because he wants to tell people what not to say and what to say. And he, and he probably doesn't want me to say that he's a short, squat, little fat ass. You'd never know it from it. And you'll see it from the uh, regular uh, news feeds. I mean, when, you know, when he's walking or uh, when it's not in his controlled environment. But you'll notice when it's in his controlled environment, like a, uh, a, a presser or something like that, the camera is set low to point up towards him. You know that's a directive given by his staff or by him because uh, he's just a squat fat ass. He's a chubby. He's just a chubby little guy with really bad, poor-fitting suits. And yeah, we get it, Ron. You got the dark blue suit with the red tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like your uh, love god. But all of that said, I have to share with you, my audience, the good news. And it's on a local, it's on a local type of venue because it has to do with South Florida. But you might find it of interest because hopefully, hopefully, it'll start a national trend. Univision is selling many of its Spanish-language radio stations, including Miami's ultra-conservative Radio Mambi, to a group led by Democrats. Oh! Creating a beachhead in a broadcast market often dominated by conservative or right-wing programming. There's a difference. A new and Latino-owned, bipartisan, but Democrat-led media group, media group, boys and girls, will announce Friday it's purchasing 18, 18 major Spanish-language radio stations owned by Televisa Univision Network. Univision. Including <laughs> Miami's Radio Mambi. Boy, I'll be glad to see that go. 
This, uh, by the way, is from WLRN, which is a local PBS station. WLRN has learned that the Latino Media Network, or LMN, they've unlocked the secret. Headed by Stephanie Valencia, a Latino outreach director for former President Barack Obama and Democratic activist Jess Morales Roquetto, has signed a definitive agreement to buy the stations for $60 million dollars. The media startup has launched after raising an initial $80 million. See, that's what we've got to do. A Univision spokesperson confirmed the sale. The AM and FM radio stations are located in 10 of the country's largest Latino markets, including Miami, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, San Francisco, Houston, and Las Vegas. Las Vegas! You know they got four hate talkers in Las Vegas? In addition to the Hispanic one, LNM says it has secured financing from leading Latino investors, which is what we need, as well as Lake Star Finance, an investment group associated with businessman philanthropist. Oh! Oh! Now he's doing something, George Soros. There you go, right-wingers. You can get all upset about that. Finally, finally, he's doing something. He's getting involved in communications and broadcasting, which is what it's been kicking our ass all these years. And I don't want to hear it from you, right-wing buttholes out there, because you've got Sheldon Adelson, who's just as pretty as George Soros. (laughs) But Sheldon Adelson, he's your George Soros, but he's always off the hook. You never go after him. He, he's the one who buys radio stations and newspapers, especially in Las Vegas, and he owns the Bellagio Hotel. Never go after him, now do you? So all my progressive friends out there, if somebody says, if, if you hear this uh, right-wing uh, spew, well, George Soros did, did, did this, and George Soros did that, and, and you just stare at him and you say, Sheldon Adelson. And he'll go, huh? Other prominent LM investors include Hollywood actress Ava Longoria, who I don't know who that is, former Florida Republican Party chair Al Cardenas, and former Miami Dade College president Eduardo Padron, and radio entrepreneur Tom Castro, who makes a great convertible. Latinos are constantly trying to navigate the ocean of information, Valencia told WLRN arguing that the station purchases aren't politically motivated. Oh, come on. Aren't politically motivated. In some cases, that is disinformation. In some cases, that is very one-sided communication. Yeah, come on. She's a Democrat, all right. Got a nuance. Got to delicately weigh each word. Ooh. That's what we Democrats have to do. I mean, Republicans, yeah. I like Trump because he speaks his mind. Because they have no mind to speak of. But we don't speak our minds at all. Have to tread nimbly afoot. And the Latino community radio still plays an important part. And in places like Florida, it obviously plays a critically important part. From some of the research we've seen, upwards of 70% of Latinos are getting their news and information about politics and elections from places like YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> YouTube YouTube And they're less reliable No no kidding Either way Valencia argues Latinos are looking for trusted voices Well just put them on the air They'll be trusted The question now Given LMN's democratic ties Is what sort of voice will replace The programming at stations like the ultra-conservative Radio Mambi 710 Miami. It's long been an institution, <laughs> Miami Cuban exile community. Community. But like many Spanish language radio stations here, it's also been criticized for pushing right wing and sometimes racist disinformation, like it was doing in November 2000. Or, or the alien foolishness that uh, embarrassed this part of the country uh, <laughs> around the world. Ilian the baby Jesus. They did the 24-7 on that. That's how far back that thing goes. Boy, I remember Neil used to just lambaste Radio Mambi. Democrats have long chafed 
at much of that agenda, particularly in 2020 when talk show hosted stations like Mambi labeled then-presidential candidate Joe Biden as Socialista! Socialista! Who would turn the U.S. into a left-wing dictatorship like Venezuela! Listen, when it comes to wise choices in the, com- in the Cuban community, when it comes to political wisdom, when it comes to a rich history, a rich heritage of brilliant political decision-making <laughs> and political choices and a deep understanding of how <laughs> government works, <laughs> look no further than the Cubans because they know how to pick them. Never mind Castro, Batista, and before him, Carlos Sacaris, and before him, Ramon Grau, and before him, Geraldo Machado, not the Gus Machado of the Buick dealership, but probably related. Yeah, when it comes to wise political decision-making and opinions, you can't do worse than what the Cubans have done. Just the whole history of Cuba. Everybody I listed there was more corrupt than the last one. And they're always whining about Castro. They had a whole parade of Castros before Castro, only a little bit more friendlier than him. They just kept putting them back in there and back in there. So it explains to me why they want to keep re-electing the same Republican. That explains Marco Rubio. Okay? That corrupt little snot-nosed punk. They know how to pick them. They picked all the all the best because uh, that little the tiny island of Cuba was what Miami modeled its corruption after. There's never been one period of time, and forget Castro before him, it was historically corrupt since since uh, the first boat docked there. It thrived on corruption, and I will say this about Batista: at least he made the corruption fun. But well, when it comes to corruption, uh, just look at uh, Cuba. And, and, and Miami used Cuba for a corruption model. It's still corrupt. I mean, you take New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, they're corrupt too. But nothing, nothing comes close to the corruption historically in South Florida. And it's still going strong. This place, the economy is based on corruption. And you know what the funny thing is? They know that, too. Yeah, they do. They know that. Until now, Democrats and Latino liberals and moderates have focused their efforts and resources on monitoring Spanish-language radio outlets instead of trying to own stations themselves. Gee, why didn't I think of that? As Latinos drive population growth in the United States and with minority media on the decline, now is the time to be investing in more resources to create content for Latinos by Latinos, Valencia said in a statement earlier Friday. The sales must still meet FCC regulations. Don't worry, they'll get the check uh, before they can fully operate. And that process could last until 2023. Nah, they'll they'll bag them. You know, buying a radio station, if... Let's say if you're a, a millionaire, okay, not not like a mega millionaire, but you got a few million dollars to toss around, buy a radio station. They're going really cheap. This one went cheap. In fact, it went so cheap it's been tossed around several times since the initial sale. WPLJ up north, a, a, a dynamite, an enormous FM signal up there is bought by some stupid Christian thing for like 2.5, some ridiculous amount of money. Just really basically to turn a transmitter off? That, that was their only goal, because no one listens to that. Uh, so, yeah, although they're parsing their words and uh, playing a balancing act here, this is what I've been talking about for years on this show that should have been done years ago. They tried it. They, you know, I have to say, they did try it with Air America. But when you're a real estate agent, you can't have a radio star. If, if you want to own a radio network and you're a real estate agent, let me tell you right now, it will fail. Real estate moguls and broadcasting do not mix. That's what happened to Air America. And the right wingers are quick to point out, well, nobody listened because it sucked. Yeah, it sucked because it wasn't programmed properly. And you don't hire stand-ups 
thinking that it'll work on the air. Stand-ups can't do the same thing on a radio show that they do in a nightclub. Maybe, maybe some can make the swish, but not all of them. I mean, Gilbert Gottfried, rest in peace. Uh, he had one of the greatest podcasts going, but it really t- he wasn't driving that bus. It was uh, Frank Santo Padre. So all Gilbert had to do was chime in now and then. It was actually Frank Santo Padre's work uh, that made that show. Because Gilbert was a stand-up comic and wouldn't know how a podcast or a radio show would be structured. What stand-up does. I mean, they had Richard Belzer on there. Okay, funny guy. But to give him a three-hour radio show? It was terrible. You know who else was on there that sucked? really sucked. I mean, it was an awful radio show. Rachel Maddow. I mean, content aside, it was painful to listen to. It was that bad. I'm just glad they didn't hire Stephen Wright. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Hi, welcome to the Stephen Wright show. We're going to talk about stuff. I mean, that's, that's fine for a podcast. That's pretty much what you get, but doesn't work on radio. Sorry. It's a different kind of training. It's a different kind of thing you got to get used to. <clears throat> and some do, yeah, some can do it, but, but not all of them. And they thought at Air America that if we get a bunch of stand-up comics on there, <laughs> well, people are sure to tune in. And then, of course, there was uh, uh, Al Franken, who pretty much used his show as a vehicle to get elected senator. And I'm glad he did, because he was a, a phenomenal senator, but on the air... Oh God! It was de- it was death. It was it was you would go into a coma listening to a show. for three hours. That's what you heard for three hours. But as a senator, the man's on fire. At least until he got fired. And and I hope he could become senator again. If Kristen Gillibrand can keep her big stupid mouth shut, maybe that'll happen. Not to mention. As a startup in 2004, they rented space in Chelsea, in the city. Oh, that's a real budget saver. What's the matter with North Jersey? It wouldn't have made a difference. It was radio, and there was no webcamming back in 2004. Didn't have to be Chelsea. Half the budget went to the renting the office space, and the other half went to on-air staff, which is, from what I've heard, they got paid pretty darn well. You know, they only had, in the entire operation from 2004 to 2010 on Air America, they only had two, two experienced professional radio broadcasters on there, and that was Randy Rhodes, and I think overnight it was Nicole Sandler. Everybody else never saw a microphone before. Now, if you're doing a podcast, fine, fine. But you can only imagine if a Sirius XM, you're paying, uh, what is it, $12-$15 a month, and you turn that on, and what you heard was podcast-quality shows, I don't think they'd hold on to their subscribers very long. No. But that's, that's the direction you have to go. You have to get a group of investors. These people somehow beg George Soros. We don't really need him. We need some erstwhile investors. And I don't want to mention Mike Bloomberg by name. And, of course, there's uh, Mark Cuban, who's always talking a good game, but never, ever puts his money where his mouth is. But why can't we have an investor group like they got who understand the importance of broadcast media communication? And uh, you don't have to buy a radio station. You know, it's a, it's a lot cheaper just to buy time. Just buy time. And you know something? In these red, red counties and red states... There are brokered radio stations. They don't care about your ideals. If the check's good, they'll put you on the air. Just buy the time. That's all you got to do. The Florida Democratic Party here with uh, Mandy Diaz, they won't even buy billboards. But we'll, we'll, we'll put door hangers up for you and we'll uh, wash your windshield at the intersection. Please vote for us. A lady reporter from TV Mondo Bondo interviewed a girl the other day. Husband walked up, he pulled a gun and flew the girl away. And she said,
part one of the Brit Summer Show has thus concluded. I went a little long. You can hear the entire version, of course, online on the Brit Summer Show. I welcome everybody that's listening on the ground, parked under the radio tower, uh, to tune in to thebritsummershow.com, access my SoundCloud, and uh, and hear the whole entire show in its entirety. Because uh, I do a lot of editing. Although you notice uh, this this particular show, I held back last week too. You know why? Because I'm learning that if you <laughs> if I curb my language, I can upload these shows a lot sooner. Uh, so yeah, maybe on the other side, I'll do some good old fashioned quality cursing. I don't know. But then again, I load up the second halves too sometimes. So I got to watch it. So like I said, everybody parked under the tower. I'll see you here again next week on 95.3, 96.9-1470-WWNN. This is the WWN Network. WWNN. Want to do your part for democracy? Be a volunteer driver for Rideshare to Vote. Rideshare to Vote is looking for volunteer frontline drivers. You'll be trained in all aspects of voter rides, basic voting laws, special COVID-19 precautions, and the use of our phone app. To find out more, download the Rideshare to Vote mobile app or call 888-977-2250 for more information. That's one word, rideshare2vote.com. What happens when a relaxing moment turns into the right moment, but you don't want it to? Honey, why don't you shut off the game and come upstairs? But honey, it's extra innings. Now there's a new medication to make that relaxing moment last up to 36 hours. Introducing Lymphator. Honey, I've got something for you. Yeah, well, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> I just took a Lymphator. Ah, yep. Back to the game. Lipitor is not for everyone. Only men who've been married more than 10 years. Intentional erectile dysfunction lasting more than six hours means you can enjoy a double header. Ask your doctor if Lipitor helps get the old hag off his back, too. Anything yet? Nope. <laughs> Thanks to Lipitor. Lipitor. It makes the hard decisions softer. <laughs> Thank goodness it's fun with Britney Summers on the Brit Summers Show. Hot off the presses of this week's Brit Summers Rock and Roll Obituary, it's none other than Jim Seals. Yeah, the Seals of Seals and Crofts. He passed away at 80 this week. So rather than Diamond Girl and Summer Breeze, which everybody's sick of hearing, this was Jim Seals and Dash Crofts under the name of The Champs. Yaman. Oh! Boobs and butts and boinking. Dash Crofts featuring Glenn Campbell on guitar. Yeah, that was him. That was kind of like the uh, precursor to The Wrecking Crew, one of the great assemblages of musicians of all, and I have to include the Funk Brothers, all totaled the greatest assemblage of musicians of all time. But I, but I think that predates Hal Blaine. I'm not sure I have to look into it. Tequila! Tequila, yeah, 1958. And I do use tequila as an ingredient when I cook certain dishes. You really want to give uh, seafood a zets? Use tequila in a sauce or whatever sauce you make. Just just like an eyedrop. 
I know that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about, but you are listening to The Brit Summer Show on Skyhawk Radio, iTunes, FYI Nation, tune in, Stitcher, Patreon, SoFlo Channel, South Florida Talk, yeah, I got it, Alan, <laughs> Acast, Radio Public, otherwise known as Radio Pubic on this show, TheBritSummerShow.com, and a whole host of other platforms that I'm not aware of. But I'm appreciative of uh, whoever does post my show in other places, and I, I do see a lot of shares of my show, and uh, I thank you, uh, because uh, we're getting the word out. I mean, even though I'm a silly person, some of the things I say are uh, relatively important, but I, and, and I'm, I may be a trans woman, and this being Gay Pride Week, although I haven't really, I'll, I'll play something for that maybe later in the show or next week, I haven't had time, but uh, I am a proud trans woman legislative liaison and proud board member of the Democratic Women's Club of West Broward, and also on the board of uh, Oakland Park Wilton Manors Club. I'd like to be on the Dolphin Dems, which is a uh, progressive caucus, but I don't have the time. No. To everyone who has contributed to this program, <laughs> thank you very much, and please, please continue to do so. <laughs> it really helps out. I mean, will I ever get a paycheck to do this again? I doubt it, which is part of the reason why I'm having bivalent uh, feelings about going into this uh, studio where they offered me a show on Thursday nights, and that'd be be great, but like I said last week, it's a million miles away, and I haven't heard any mention of money yet, and and I'm getting pretty sick. Listen, this is a charity-based show. Unfortunately, what choice do I have? What choice do many of uh, former broadcast personalities, what choice do they have anymore? I mean, if you're Hispanic, you're in love. Boy, uh, I wish George Rodriguez was alive. He, he could have got a job down there. Now, now that we have Democratic investor groups having a light bulb go off over the head like the old Ford commercials, uh, here's a better idea, and, and uh, uh, a fire under their ass. Hey, maybe we ought to get on the air. Hey, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we should have our own messaging system. Maybe we should have our own broadcast infrastructure. Well, the Latin community is doing that. The Democratic Latin community, that is. Is anybody in the English-speaking community doing that? Are we getting any big-money donors to contribute, to buy time, to put people on progressive voices on the air? And I'm not talking about the uh, online progressive voices, the progressive talent on the air. Anybody going to do that, huh? Anybody going to take a cue from WQBA? <laughs> from Radio Mambi? Huh? They've got the right idea. They're doing it smart. And like I said, they, I don't know how they swung it. They got George Soros to contribute. Okay. But we got big money donors too. Where are they? Where are the Democratic big money donors to help build a, a broadcast infrastructure? Where, where are they? Or don't they care? But thank you, everybody, who's contributed and clicked on the Donate button located conveniently on the upper right-hand side of the Brit Summer Show website. And no extolling of gratitude would be complete without including that of the official sponsor of this program, Ernie! Ernie is the guy to keep this girl going. We love you! Thank you, Ernie. By the way, you know, this is show number 442. That's for all you Oldsmobile fans out there. <laughs> that makes last week's show number 441, which I failed to mention it. 441, we call that the Canadian Highway, because that's the road they choose to take, as opposed to any toll roads. Yeah, it's free, if you don't mind stopping for a light every few feet. Actually, to take that and uh, US-1, which runs from here all the way up to Maine... Uh, that's not a toll road either. Well, no, no. Uh, eh, once you get up north, uh, no. There, there's tolls on there. So yeah, it's 441. There's never any tolls. Well, the only thing I have to commemorate 442 is this. 442, Benwood
Pixies from 1964. And 442 Glenwood Avenue, which I, I, I think there was one of those streets located in every town across America. Hey, you know something? With, with all the problems we have in this country, with the gun massacres and the Republicans just killing any kind of really good quality legislation that the Democrats want to put through, concerning primarily guns, uh, it's, it's funny how we prioritize what we spent with the House Oversight Committee, what they prioritize. J6, yeah, okay, they're doing their job <clears throat> much as they can considering the roadblock that's called Merrick Garland. But there was the most ridiculous, I think it was congressional hearings. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Stupid. About UFOs. <laughs> UFOs. Yeah, we've got nothing else on our mind here. We've got nothing. You know something? I just might pull out that Gil Scott Heron thing later on. But yeah, they had a hearing on UFOs. And I didn't know to have one 50 years ago because uh, who pays attention to that? Okay, let me answer their questions real quick once and for all. Yeah, there's UFOs. We're not the only ones in the, in the universes. And they don't look like strange little uh, green men or, or gray men. They don't look like uh, any of the Star Trek aliens. They probably look just like us. Probably no different, just more advanced society. Probably look just like uh, Michael Rennie and Anne Francis, okay? <laughs> so, none of this surprises me. I know they're up there. We have more important things to spend our time on than talking about UFOs. You clowns. You goofballs. Yeah, this will make you happy. I know it does for me because it's a great theme song. This was a, uh, a very cute but stupid show to watch, UFO. It was just, uh, it was fun. But uh, some, some of it was boring, but they had a real groovy soundtrack, man. They should have played this over the uh, hearings, the UFO hearings. Well, they don't call them UFOs. They call them UAPs, unidentified atmospheric uh, penises. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the P was for, but it's like what what a stupid thing. Yeah, okay. So the Air Force uh, and NASA acknowledged that there's UFOs. Okay, yay! We knew this. They haven't uncovered any mysteries here. And you know something? Here's something they don't consider ever, all right? And if I ever had the pleasure of having Neil deGrasse Tyson on my show, here's what I'd ask him. I have a theory, and I would ask him his opinion of it. The bulk of our UFO sightings took place, started in 1947. Never mind Roswell. There were sightings all over the place and have been ever since. But it all pretty much started, and, 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 and people started noticing these UFOs uh, since 1947 till now. Now, what happened in 1945? We set off two nuclear bombs that can be seen from outer space. Now, if you were an alien race, an intelligent alien race, that is to say, and you were monitoring just things that were going on within the galaxy here. And you happened to notice that there were two unnaturally made nuclear explosions on a Class M planet. Wouldn't you send out an exploratory fleet of, uh, of your ships or something 
Maybe drones? <laughs> Anybody think of that? To at least scan what was going on? Uh, you'd have to raise a few eyebrows, even alien eyebrows, if you're setting off nuclear bombs. And you gotta figure, that was 1945, so you had a two-year difference between all the sightings started to explode around the world. Okay. I don't know what the math would be, but how long would it take to travel at light speed, or warp speed, two years? They must have organized a mission to discover what the hell was going on on this Class M planet, galaxies away from where they were. And wherever they were, it took two years of high-tech craft to get here for observation. Now, I would like to ask Neil deGrasse Tyson his opinion about that. How far away would that have to be? At the speeds these crafts were going, uh, like the ones they clocked just recently, like uh, five years ago. So there, see, sometimes I'm smart. <laughs> Radio, iTunes, FYI Nation, TuneIn, Stitcher, Patreon, and under pressure from Alan, uh, the South Florida Talk Channel, <laughs> also known as SoFlo Channel, AheCast, and Radio Pubic. And thanks for tuning in to this week's Brit Summer Show, which I, I'm sorry, went long in the first part. I've got things to talk about that I haven't even gotten to yet. Uh, but stay tuned for that next week. <clears throat> More on uh, Death Satan, our maniacal leader here in Florida. This guy doesn't stop. I just didn't have the time this week. But, but you'll hear it next week when I come back. Until then, this is Britt Summers leaving you with the wisdom of the late, great George Carlin. There's just enough bullshit to hold things together in this country. Bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free, your vote counts. <laughs> Business is honest, the good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. The official national bullshit story. Absolutely correct, sir.